listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, one of the things we want to talk to you about, and this, this has been... This is one of the most important things because people say, well, you know, how do I know my purpose? How do I know what I'm supposed to do with life? But then they think that when you get to that place of purpose, that everything else is just falling into place. Not once I get my purpose, once I know my purpose, everything else is just going to fall into place. But as you saw from the uh, title of the broadcast, what we want to show you today is this, your purpose is not enough. And so I'm going to teach you with Carolyn, we're going to talk about three things that have to be in place for your purpose to be properly fulfilled because a purpose alone is not enough for any individual. There are people, how about this? There are people who know what they're supposed to do and they've not accomplished anything. They know what they're supposed to do. They know their purpose. They're not outside their lane, but they're not being fruitful. They're not caught. They're not, uh, they're not. I guess, expanding the way God would call them to expand or, or profiting the, the way God would call them to profit. So today, what we want to do is from the word of God, I'll show you three things that have to be in place once your purpose is obtained from the Lord. And see, without these, you'll always just kind of <coughs> sit in a place of unproductive fruitlessness. And, and here's why it even gets more frustrating, because when you do know what your purpose is, then you know what to expect. You know what you should be seeing. You're like, okay, I know what I'm called to do. I know I know what I'm anointed to do. I know. And then you, you're sitting there and none of it's coming to pass. And you're like, well, hold on. I thought I got my purpose from the Lord. Why is nothing happening? Why, why, are, why, are, why are no uh, miracles happening? Why is nothing taking place? Because it's not enough to just get your purpose. But there are things you must, must do in order to see that purpose fulfilled and come to pass. Today, we're going to give you three of the most important ones that you could ever have from the word of God. But, but real quick, I was yeah, going to say, and you know why this is so important is because, you know, <laughs> there's a mission that God has for us and for this world. And if, like he said, we've been given something and we're going to sit on it, he will pass you by and go to the next person who's like, pick me, I'm hungry, I'm ready. And who's going to fulfill, you know, these ideas that you have. And these things that you have were given to you by God. They're not just something that you just magically thought up one day. Yeah. They were placed within inside of you to do them. And you have the ability to do them. But what we're getting ready to talk about, you have to implement so you can fulfill them. And you know what's, what's crazy is that what she was just saying is so true where, you know, people think they can wait 20 years to do what God's told them to do. Don't, you know, everything that you have in your spirit is time sensitive. Yes. It's time sensitive. When God speaks, now's the time to move. If God commanded it now, just think of how annoyed that you get when you tell your kids, uh, go clean your room, go clean it right now. And then you walk upstairs 45 minutes later and they're on the floor of their room playing with something they found. And the whole room is still a mess. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because that was you the other day. 
It was me? Yeah, you were in the garage looking for something. And I did find something. He found things that he just kept texting me, old pictures. Just a note for everybody watching. She did not <laughs> command me to go out and clean the garage. Yeah. <laughs> no, I decided, no, I was actually. Were, you weren't even cleaning the garage. I was looking you for something. You were looking for something, yeah. but then all so of a sudden. None of that applied. Within the box, <laughs> it was like, oh. I tore everything out and find old toys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, we all get caught up in doing that. But when you, you've had that happen, I'm sure as a parent, where you tell where you tell your kids to go upstairs and clean, they come up and the whole room is still That's a mess. That's my kids all day, every day. Yeah, and, it, and it's and like no, no, I like, told you to clean it 45 minutes ago. Oh, I haven't found this journal. Look, mom, what I wrote. Yeah, last year, and I'm like, but that's not pulling the stuff out from under your bed. Mm-hmm. So. And the same, I'm sure the Lord feels the same way. You know, he told somebody to do something 20 years ago and they're still praying about it. They're <laughs> still sitting around. I've had people come to me in services. I, I'm not joking. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I've had people come to me in service and be like, brother Ted, you know, the Lord really told me to spoke to me to, to, to start to preaching and ministering to people. Oh, really? When did he tell you that? He told me at 21 years ago, uh, coming this June and I know it's going to come to pass. It's like, he probably found somebody else by now. And yeah. you can't ask God to wait on you for 21 years when you've heard him speak 21 years ago. That's delayed obedience. And delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Right. You have to take action on your instruction. Like when people get words directly at home from the Lord or when you're in a service and you've been called out and you get a word. And then I've got people three years later that say, well, it never came to pass. Yeah. It never came to pass. It's but, like, well, what, what, what did action you do steps it? did you do exactly. on the word? That's an encouragement. He's telling you in advance, do this. Now you figure out, let, what do I have to do? Ask the Holy Spirit. Get in those steps. Get in that direction. Because he's already letting you know, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm instructing you. This far back, you're here. Meet me up here. Get, here's find out the steps on how to get there. Absolutely. And so, I want you to put it in the comments. Everybody that's watching today, pop it in the comments section. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience <laughs> is disobedience. And so it's you, exactly Ashley. And so you have to understand that when God speaks, it's time to obey. Yeah. Now. If, if he's speaking to you now, he wants you to obey. You know, one of the things people have said to us, multiple people that don't even know each other have said the same thing to us. They're like, man, I love how you guys roll because it's like the Lord will tell you to something, to do something. And then you just do it immediately. Like, you don't wait. You don't like say, well, coming up next year, we're going to be doing this. They're like, you, God just tells you guys to do something. And you just like do it as though, as though that's an odd thing. You know, we shouldn't be the people that are like, well, the Lord spoke to us this year, and I believe by 2023, we're going to really get it rolled out and it's going to come to pass. It's like, can't wait till your ducks <laughs> if are he told you now, home. do it as quickly as you can do it. And the rest will come. The rest, the rest will follow. Yeah. You just start. The that's, faith that's what is you, you starting. To do, is start. And then start. as you start, that's your beginning obedience. And then the resource, see, because here's the trick people fall into, or the, the trick of the devil, is that they, they want to wait until they have every resource in place, until they have every door open, so that all they would do, you know, is just take it and move forward. Well, anybody could do it at that point. Yeah, you know, it's like faith. I remember Dr. Lester Summerall telling a story about how when he started, you know, feed the children, or excuse me, feed the hungry that we're a part of now. And... Uh, you know, God put that into his spirit to, to do that. Well, he knew 
in order to quickly get these resources to other countries, food and clothing and all these things, he was going to need cargo planes. The problem with that was that the C-130 cargo plane, which was a government aircraft, was still a classified aircraft. And literally, Dr. Sumrall stood in front of government officials and asked them to declassify the plans for the C-130 cargo plane so that he could buy one. And I heard him say, when I asked them to do that, literally when I stood before Congress and said, would you please uh, declassify the C-130 so I can buy one? He said, I didn't have any money to buy one. <laughs> he said, even if they'd have said it that very second, all right, you can buy one. I didn't have any money to buy one. But by faith, see, he knew God had given him the vision to feed the hungry around the world. He knew that, that uh, the Lord had told him to do that. And so he's taking forward steps of faith to make that a reality. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, well, when I get the money, I'll raise all the money for a C-130 cargo plane from my partners. And then when all of that money's in, then we'll begin to ask the government to make. No, he asked them when the Lord told him. And then when they made it available, he was the first civilian in history to purchase a C-130 cargo plane. And he did it by faith, but he moved forward before he had the resources. And that's what you've got to do yeah. is that you can't wait until all your ducks are in a row. Can't wait until everything's in the bank. Can't wait until every door is open. You have to just move forward with what you have now and watch God then provide for you as you go. Proverbs chapter three and verse six. Listen to this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See that? He will make straight. Well, the key is the verse before it. Verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. People that don't move forward are leaning on their own understanding. Well, I don't know how, if I did take a step, I don't know how it would work out. I don't know. I don't even see how that would work. I don't even see how I could get it to, and see you're leaning on your own understanding. If you've got a word from the Lord, then you just move forward. It doesn't matter if you can see how it will work or how it won't work. You just move forward and watch as God, who's the one who commanded you, will then provide the resources. God pays for what he orders. Yeah. Makes me think of um, when we fir first started, let's see, Maddie was two. So it was a couple years into our ministry and God asked us to do a tent meeting in North Carolina. All right. It cost almost $25,000. Then... Eh, not in our ministry. We're we didn't have any account, of it. Nothing. In fact, whatever we did have, we sowed at the beginning of that year. Everything. Everything. Thanks, Ben. And, and but it but announced we were doing this tent meeting. Yeah, it's, so it's happening. So we announced it. God gave it to us the idea and told us to do it. Announced it without having any resources. No money. And it was paid in full before we even got and to how about North this? Carolina. When we announced it. We weren't even allowed to have the land. Yeah. We I announced mean, it and weren't even allowed to have the land. Opening, but I'm just saying like. <laughs> we were like, we're going to hold a week-long tent crusade yeah. in this field, in this city. Some of you that are watching were there. And we went to the person that owned the city, which was the YMCA. And, they were, and we were like, um, hey, we want this field for a week. And they're like, uh, no, no. The most we've ever given it to anyone is one day. I'm like, no, no, no. We don't want a day. We'd already, at this point, we've announced it. God spoke it. We announced it. We're moving forward. I was like, no, no, we don't want a day. We want a week. We need a week. 
They're like, well, no, we've never done that. But we'll go back and talk to the board and see what they say. They came back a second time like, all right, all right, we'll give it to you for three days. I said, no, no, no. I didn't say three days. I said a week. We actually needed a little bit longer than a week because we needed a day to set the tent up and a day to tear the tent down. And I said, no, no, go back and talk to them again. I didn't say three days. I didn't say one day. I said, and it was really eight days. I said, we need eight days. And so they came back. And when they came back the third time, they said, all right, all right, we like what you're doing. We're going to give it to you for the full eight days. And not only that, we're not going to charge you a dollar, a dollar of rental fee for the field. We're not going to charge you anything. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. See, none of that was in place when we moved forward. None of that was in place when we started to obey. But as you obey, the resources come, the doors open, everything falls into place because of your faithfulness to move forward in obedience. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make those paths straight. That means obstacles are moved. Everything that was going to be a hindrance is out of the way and you just run on a straight path. And so your purpose is there, but you have got to be able to do what God has called you to do before you see the end result, before you see the ability for the end result to even happen. You've got to begin to move. Still till this day, (laughs) we've been told things that in the natural for the split second, when you think about it, after you're told, you're like, um, okay, not sure how that's going to look. And then weeks later, (laughs) it's there because when your heart says, okay, that's right. You got it. You're absolutely. Your faith is strong. (laughs) So let us give you three things because these three things need to be in place. I want you to put them in the comments. I want you to write them in your notes, put it in your Bible is that obviously we've talked about immediate obedience, whether you see the way or not. But now let me give you three things that have to be in place once you know what your purpose is. Purpose doesn't function automatically. It functions because of the three things we're about to give you now. And um, if you haven't got a chance to share the broadcast, share it because today's going to be a good one. Um, And then put the scriptures for us, if you will, in the comments section. Um, I'll let you go to Luke. I'll go to Proverbs unless you're already in Proverbs. I'm in both, so I can do whichever one you'd like. Look at that. Look at a woman. Proverbs 31 woman. I'll let you read it. First verse, Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? So number one is planning. Your purpose is nothing without planning. You know, the Bible, faith doesn't mean there's a lack of a plan. Right. (laughs) Faith right. doesn't mean there's lack of a plan. Right. You know, <laughs> Pentecostal people are the worst about this. Well, what's your plan? Well, we're just going to flow, brother. We're just going to yeah. be led by the Spirit. That doesn't work like I'm that. just living by faith. Yeah. Faith. I, I remember one time we were, we were at a church. I'm not sure why our voice accents always have to change I, I don't when know. we do that. <laughs> but I remember we were at a church one time and holding a revival and tons of people were being saved. Tons of people were coming to the kingdom. And we were out with the pastor and his wife afterwards. <clears throat> And um, I asked him because I wanted to make this point, you know, I wasn't being rude or being, you know, stepping past my boundary, but I wanted to ask him as the guest evangelist. I said, now, what plan do you have in place now that these people are being saved, the church is being added to? I said, what plan do you have in place uh, to keep what God's doing and to keep the momentum, to keep it flowing? 
And he said, well, you know, I think that if it's, if God's in it, you know, they'll just keep coming. And I think, you know, God will just keep adding people to the church. And, you know, I think the youth group will do some things that'll be helpful. And I mean, that's, that's, that's how vague his answer was. That's the exact answer he gave me. And I thought to myself, this move of God will never be sustained in this church because this man has no practical plan in place to continue to sustain what God's called him to do and what God's already doing. And that is poor stewardship of your purpose. Right. Luke 14, 28, Sonia, is uh, what she just read, that who would begin a project without first counting the cost? There's got to be wise and proper planning. Now, I understand you can't plan for everything because you know God's going to do supernatural things on the way, but you've got to have a plan in place to see God move. You know, if you don't think about this. If my dad is watching, P, P, P. I grew up with prior proper planning. And to this day, he's still a P, P, P man. Prior proper planning. You know, <clears throat> here's the thing. It's even, it's, it's even this way with your prayers. It's like, if you don't even have any goals, I mean, think about this. If you don't even have any goals, if you don't even have any plans, how would you even know if God answered your prayers? Right. That, that's so baseline. I remember hearing Brother Hagin say when he was a pastor, he wanted to do a little poll to see how people thought about prayer. And back then we used to have services where uh, at the end of the service, people would just come around the altar and pray at the end of a service. And he said one of the things he would do is he'd walk through the people at the altar as everybody was praying. He'd stop people. And he'd say, hey, I just want to ask you, what are you praying for? And they'd kind of look at him with a blank stare. And they'd, he said a lot of them would say, well, I, I don't know. I'm just praying. He said, well, I know you're praying, but what are you praying for? And they'd say, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just praying. And he said, he said, now I realize that some prayer is just fellowship with God. He said, but they didn't even know if they were doing that. He said, so they didn't know if they were fellowshiping with God, but they didn't even know what they were praying for. He said, when he was done with the, that portion of his ministry, he said, through all the polls he did, he found out about eight or more out of 10 people didn't know what they were praying for. And he said, the problem with that is, if you don't know what you're praying for, how would you even know if you ever got an answer to your prayer? Right. How would you know if God answered your prayers? And the same thing is true here in your purpose. If you never have a goal, if you're never pressing toward a mark, how would you ever know if you got there? It's like I heard Bishop Oyedepo say one time. He said, if you don't know where you're going, right. anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. And I want you to put that in the comments. If I don't know where I'm going... Anywhere I arrive looks like my destination. You're not called just to go anywhere. <laughs> no, you're not called to wander. Yeah. That's not your purpose to wander through life until something breaks through for you. I didn't even know where I was. And all of a sudden a miracle hit. And I was like, my God, I am here. This is where I was. It doesn't work like that. Look what wandering <clears throat> did to the Israelites. <laughs> well, look, look at it. God gave all of his people. Isn't it interesting? Look at Abraham. He tagged on some extra time. <laughs> look, at, look at Abraham. God had a very specific place for him to go. Right. Go to the place, to the mountain that I will show you. And so he started out and God was leading him until he knew this is the mountain. He gave him the direction. Remember, remember when he left his family and he told him you have to go, go, and leave your family to a land that I'll show you. It'll be different. 
Of course, Abraham went down to Egypt, but then Abraham, look at Isaac. You showed Abraham worked in the specifics. Yeah. Everything and he did was specific. Isaac did not just do whatever his father did. Notice God spoke to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt like your father, but go to the land that I'll show you. And notice Isaac went to a different place that was specific because God told him to where to go, how to do it, and what to do when he was there. God has a specific plan for your life. And so you have to have a goal that God speaks to you of where you're headed and what you're going to do. And if you don't plan, if you don't have proper planning like the word of God teaches, then you'll never fulfill the purpose in your life. And how would you even know you were moving forward? I read this verse on faith on fire because I came across it reading it last week, but it was Psalms 32, 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway. Yes. The best pathway for your life. And then the next one is the best. I will advise you and watch over you. Right. So there is a specific direction and path that you're supposed to be doing for you, what you're called to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it says, you, you don't have to just start walking it and not knowing what to do. I will advise you. You have the Lord God Almighty right. <laughs> advising you. Absolutely. So you have the person who wants the best for your life. The person that died for everything so you could have and live a fantastic, fantastic life on this yeah. earth. And he's going to be your guide. Like, what better guide is that? The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. <laughs> yes, Jacob, prayer and fasting is the key to hearing God's voice in your life. So one of the things, and I want you to check this out because this is powerful. The Bible says in the Old Testament, write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets that they may run... Who read it? You can't make your vision plain on tablets if you don't have a, a, a vision that's writable. Right. You have to have a writable, understandable vision that they may run who read it. So anybody that's running with you, anybody on your team, anybody you employ, you can present a vision to them and say, we're going to hit this and they understand it and can take ownership of it and run forward with it. Make a vision board if you have to. Put the big picture on it. You don't have to have every detail yet, but that will all come. But make a vision board so you can see the end of what he's given you, and then you get those steps along the way. You get that advice from the Holy Spirit. You pray, you fast, you work your way towards the end of the, at the top, the vision board. Absolutely. And that's the key. Writing down the vision, making it plain, knowing what, keeping it in front of your face, in front of your eyes. This is what we're pushing towards. And watch this, because here's a powerful thought. If you don't have that, see, when you put a vision in place, a destination in place, it doesn't just determine what you will do. It will also determine what you won't do. So I'll give you the most easy example because so many people are familiar with, you know, diets and weight goals. But if you have a goal about where you want your body to go, it doesn't just determine what you will do with it. It determines what you won't do with it. And so, uh, if, if, for example, if you know I'm going to cut 20 pounds, I'm going to lose body fat, there's specific things you will eat. So you say, okay, well, now that I know that, here's what I'm putting into my diet. I will eat these foods on a daily basis. But it also, that vision also puts a demarcation. So, you know, not only will I eat these, I won't eat these. And the same thing is true with every vision. If you know the direction you're headed, for example, if if I'm if I know that that my wife and I are going to head to Miami for dinner, well, Miami's south of me, so I know that when we get in the car, 
it's going to determine turns we make. It's not, we're not just going to say, well, we are going to book a reservation for dinner in Miami. We are going to head to Miami. It also determines where we won't go. We're not going to go over and then find 95, uh, Interstate 95, and say, you know what? I think we should, let's just take 95 North. I know we want to go to Miami, but you know what? Let's just take 95 North. No, our vision, our plan doesn't just determine what we will do. It determines what we won't do. And so you have to understand that because one of the biggest ways people are tricked out of not completing their purpose is they start getting involved with all of these other things that have nothing to do with their purpose. Busy work. And it pulls them in all these different directions. Well, I'm not going. You know, we're going to Miami for dinner, but let's stop by Nashville, Tennessee. Well, I don't have time to stop by Nashville, Tennessee. It's not on the way to my purpose. I don't have time to go up to Orlando. It's not in the purpose. And so if you get pulled in 15 different directions and you're doing all these different things, you cannot move toward your purpose. The greatest picture of this, you you get totally burnt out because now you're doing things that God never told you to do. You're spending money on things God never told you to spend your money on. So your resources are being used up. Dried up. So your strength is gone. Your resources are gone. All these other things. You're, you have wrong, the wrong relationships are presenting themselves to you. Wrong people are in your life. Yeah, meeting the wrong people. Think of, think of this. Probably the greatest picture of this in the New Testament is when the early church was being built and they realized that there were tons of people that needed food distribution and care. There were widows. There were orphans. People that needed it. And the apostles recognized this immediately. They said, the work is becoming too much for us and it's not our purpose. So we should be praying. We should be fasting. We should be studying the word so that we can teach the assembly. But all of our time is getting taken up in food distribution, doing all these things. So let's raise up anointed men that can take those tasks. We'll delegate those tasks to them, which will then allow us to accomplish our purpose. Yeah. which was prayer, fasting, and the study of the word so that they could teach and train the people. But see, if they had continued doing what they shouldn't have had to do, but they just did it. Well, it's busy work. Well, I can't. I've got to feed the people. I've got to go out and do food distribution. I've got to take care of the widows. I've got to take care of the orphans. If they kept on doing it themselves, guess what would happen? Their true purpose would have become ineffective and they would have never been able to accomplish what God wanted to be accomplished in the church. Right. And it has to do with what you should do and with what you shouldn't do. There are many, and put this in the comments, there are many things you could do. There's only one thing you should do. And that makes you powerful. See, that makes you extremely powerful. There are many things you could do, but there's only a few things you should do. And they're, they're tied to your purpose. If, you're, if you've been in business for any period of time, you've probably heard of the Pareti Principle. The 80-20 principle. Some people have even narrowed it down to the 93-7 principle. And what that was, if you're not familiar with the Pareti principle, it's basically that 20% of the things you do produce 80% of the results in your life, business, or ministry. It's the 20% of things that are focused that produce the most results. So why are you getting busy with the other 80 that really aren't producing any fruit? Why wouldn't you put all your effort into that 20% and explode in fruitfulness and explode in results rather than running around 
doing stuff that's straight up busy work. Yeah. I mean, th that whole saying you said that there are many things that you could do, but, you know, everything. Only a few things you should do. That you should do was a podcast that I, I uh, touched on called The Power of No, because nowadays people just don't know how to say no. It doesn't mean that you're being mean. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that you don't know how to do it. That's right. That's where people get caught up with, well, you're not the only person in the world that Especially knows how to do it. Especially if they're gifted. Yeah. And so you're not the only person in the world knows how to do it. You know, God's given you that gift, but it's not something that you need to say yes to at the time. So in order to do the proper planning that we're saying, you've got to learn the power of no. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that that's hard when you're gifted. When you're talented, when you're anointed, people will pull on you from every direction. Yep. Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you come do this? Hey, can you do this? We need you to come over here and do this. We need you to do that. And and the problem is, you get if you have that mindset that's like, well, I, I am I could solve that problem, so I need to go solve it. I can solve yeah. that problem, so I should go solve it. Don't feel like you have to. You're be not called to solve everyone's savior. problems. You're not the world savior, so don't feel like you have to help everybody. No, nope. and, and do say yes to everything. What God called you to do. Yeah. Do what, that's a great way to say it, Kelly. Don't live in condemnation when you have to tell someone well, because no. That, the reason I did that podcast because I come across so many moms and people that are burnt out and then it, it, it flows into their family and yeah. it's because they're doing things that they never should be doing. And even though they're talented or they know how to do it or they can make the best snacks for school or they're the room mom, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just the power of no is so important because even though you're gifted and you can do it, it's not what God has called you to do in that moment. Doesn't right. mean you won't do it down the line, but find out in the moment what the plan is. I agree with that. Um, let me. Two. Did you want no, me to no, read no, Proverbs or? No, let me read it. Um, because it's so it's so vital. When you are moving forward, think of it this way: in your vision and in your purpose. If there's not proper planning ahead of time, think of number one, as Luke said, think of the resources you'd waste. Think of the strength that you'd waste. See, this is why being uh, led by the Spirit is so important. I look at young people that go to college, even Christian young people, that spend all that money, they've got student loans, and then they change their major two and three times spending now extra time in college, racking up more student loan debt, whereas if they'd had their vision and call from God at the beginning, they would have not only saved themselves time, they'd have saved themselves tens of thousands of dollars, they'd have saved themselves frustration, all these different things. And if you had proper vision and planning at the beginning, see, you would know. There's some people that they would have just jumped right into their business and not even gone to college, not even wasted the money. Because they could have started right off. And so it's so important that you start everything off by not only knowing your purpose, but then you've got to get a vision within your purpose. Yep. You've got to get a vision within your purpose. You've got to have a goal or goals within your purpose. And your goals should be clear enough that you can actually see the progress of as they're being accomplished. You can actually see yourself getting closer to them. It's like, it's the difference between saying, hey, we should go south today or saying, we should go to Miami today. One is vague and I would never know if we fully accomplished it. Well, how far south do you want to go? Right. How do you measure that? How do you track that? 
I could go two seconds south and just take three steps south. Go to Publix. Yeah, I go to Publix. I've gone south. It's 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 right across the street. So I could do that, but like until there's it, it's defined. See, that's the importance with defining something that you're going to do. If you don't define it properly, you don't even know how close you're getting to accomplishing it. You don't know what needs to be done. You don't even know what needs to come in. You don't know what to pray for. See, once I define it, I know what I need God to do. I know what I need to happen. So I actually walk forward, but where? To where am I walking forward? Well, we're going to go south. How far south? Not, not just how far south. At what time do you want to arrive in the, plate, the southern place you're going? You see what I mean? It's like the analogy I made about us going to dinner in Miami. Well, I obviously have a reservation. When is that? Because that will all also determine when I leave. It'll also determine if I look at the traffic and say, well, what's, how long is it going to take us? Because if I know that our reservation's at seven, then I, I, don't need, I don't only need to know where I'm going. I need to know when I'm going to leave. See, so all these things that define the vision will be in place when the vision and the goals are clearly defined. And many people miss it at this first spot. Well, I got a purpose, but I just don't know what to do with it. Then you've got to get a plan. You've got to know where you're going in that purpose, how you're going to work, where you're going to work, you know, what it's going to take, what it's going to look like. And the Lord directs your paths. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 1611 that he will show you the path of life. God has a path for your life and you will accomplish with success your purpose when you seek him, let him lead you and put him first. So very important. So number one, planning. Purpose without planning is pointless. I want you to put it in the comments. Purpose, number one, purpose without planning is pointless. It's pointless. Number two, the second thing I want you to see is passion. Purpose without passion is pointless. And we're going to show you that from the word of God. Um, are you turning to Colossians? Yeah. Okay. I'll go to 1 Corinthians. First thing you want to see, Colossians 3.23. Talking about passion. <laughs> this is one that really, it annoys me. This is one that's kind of one of my big pet peeves. But but I'll let you start in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, and then I'll go to 1 Corinthians. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You see that? This, and we I, I touched on this a little bit last week. There are people that are so lazy and laid back that they don't do what that verse says to do work. Read it one more time. Um, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Everything you do, it's as if you're doing it for the Lord himself. It's as if, see, this is where true excellence explodes in a person's life. When you start to realize that I'm not doing this for a boss, I'm not doing this for a paycheck, I'm not doing this, you know, to pay my bills, I'm not doing this to get by working for the weekend till the next party. We're gonna have <laughs> no. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing it as though the Lord Himself asked me to do it. Do it as unto the Lord. And so the key, look at that. The net Bible, Brandon said, says, work at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord. That's right. Colossians 3.23, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. It said, do it as unto the Lord. And so you've got to see that 
there is a way to work. There is a way to pursue your purpose, and that is with diligence and excellence. Diligence and excellence. Well, why would we work that way? Because it's as though we're doing it for Jesus himself. It's as though, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, if you work at T-Mobile and you've got customers coming in, and every time a customer comes in, you shield your eyes to the floor or pretend you're fixing the cases on the shelf so that another employee <laughs> will get the customer. And you don't want to do you don't want to do an excellent job. You don't want to do a good job. Um, one of the biggest pet peeves I have is when I'm, I'm I have a question about products or a question about something, and somebody's like, um, I don't know, but another associate will be back in a few minutes from their break, and they've been here longer than me. They could probably give you a better answer. It's like, oh, way to be fired in about three months. Because you're just here for a paycheck. You're, you're here to check in at 9.04 and clock out at 4.55. Because you don't care. It's not excellent. It's not diligent. It's not faithful. Way to never get a promotion. You'll always be stacking boxes. You'll never move up the food chain. Because everything you do is lackluster. Everything you do is lazy. And the Bible calls laziness wickedness. Because God's looking for diligent workers. He's looking for people that will do it as though they're doing it unto the Lord. I don't care if you work at McDonald's. Every burger you flip is as if Jesus just ordered a double cheeseburger. Well, it lines up with the verse. uh, (laughs) Would he? Yes, he would. (laughs) Everything lines up with... um... Now I can't remember the verse. I was just gonna say you yeah, threw made, me off made with you, laugh. you threw me off with the hamburger. <laughs> I just thought of Jesus eating double cheeseburgers and laugh. Well, think about it. I hate McDonald's. <laughs> when it comes to me, I'll do it again. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, think about that. People say, "Well, my, I'm not, what I'm doing is not that important." What I'm doing is not that. But here's let me let me just let me give you a thing while you're waiting. I mean, you know, put this in the comments. Work while oh, you're that's waiting. It. Promotion comes from the Lord. Yeah, Psalm 75. So, so that, I was like, wait a second. Promotion comes from the Lord. So that's why it's important that you work not about man because it's not your boss that's going to promote right. you. It's going to be the Lord that drops that into him to say, hey, you know what? You've been scrubbing those toilets like I've never seen before. I'm going to trust you with a lot more versus mm-hmm. the person that can do a good job at a, you know, that does a, a bad job at a high ranked position. You're showing me your diligence. You're showing me, you know, that's what, you know, your mom was telling me about your uncle, Chris, Mm -hmm. that with his new job, she was just telling me not long ago that he came in and did that with the workers. He would, he changed everything around. He set new precedents within that auto body shop that he did because he said, I don't care if you're in here cleaning, you know, the, the, you know, when you go to auto body shops, like the toilet room the bathroom you like want nothing to do with it's just how it is it's those workers there (laughs) but he made a different standard and he got promoted because he wouldn't even let the bathroom look bad and so he got promoted to a higher level your mom was telling me in his job as like an overseeing manager of this whole body shop because when he was in charge of he didn't let things go. He made it with excellence, no matter if it was keeping the waiting room a certain way, keeping the bathroom a certain way. He didn't look at it and say, oh, well, it's just a bathroom. Who right. cares? Right. You know, no, no, that doesn't need to be nice. This is a, an auto body shop. Who cares if the guys are going in, whatever. He made it a certain way and made sure people followed every single rule. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it promoted him to new levels right. and, and provided a big increase in pay for him. It's a standard of excellence. 
And, and here's, here's why, if you think about this, if you're the leader and you can, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. I think there's even a book about that, like leading without a title or something like that. But you can work like a leader. You can live like a leader. You might answer to a boss and you can still diligently work like you were the manager of that location or a regional manager. And it gets recognized. But one of the things is when you come in and start setting that standard, or if you are the leader of a team and you set that standard, it even changes the way people view their own position at that place. Why? Because they look at you and the way that you're teaching them that, that what you're doing is important. Don't, don't, you're not just cleaning a bathroom. You are making this place one of the most excellent places to come in the city. So when people walk in and then they begin to see the value of their work, they see the pride, why they take pride in their work. I remember listening to Dave Ramsey say that, you know, because somebody may look and say, well, I'm only a receptionist. I just answer phones. He told her flat out, he told her this. He said, you're not a receptionist. See, because one of the things people could do is like, well, you you caught her on a bad day. She was having a bad day. She answered the phone like she was having a bad day. You know, all this stuff. And he told her, he said, you are not a receptionist. He said, today, I am changing your title. He said, no longer a receptionist. I'm now calling you director of first impressions. And that's who you are. You're the director of first impressions. Well, what did that do? Changed her whole mindset about what she does. The first voice you hear from that company is director of first impressions. If you answer with an attitude, if you answer and nobody can understand what you're saying, if you answer and you don't have any any of the answers to the questions being asked, it puts it sheds a whole light on what your business is that may not even be true. But because of one person who represents <laughs> everything else. Were you getting blessed or was that a yeah, yeah. I felt My it. God, Hallelujah. Yeah. No, I had to sneeze. <laughs> And, and that's what, see what I'm saying. it in to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's the key. She, he said, you're director of first impressions. What does that mean? Well, first, it puts a whole new pride in, in the work that you're doing. You understand the importance of what you're doing. Yeah. And then you realize, as we're teaching, everything you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Every call you Teach answer. Teach your kids this now. <clears throat> Teach your kids this now. Every call you answer. We find. It'd be like as Jesus was calling. Yeah, and you got to teach this to your kids now with the little things, little responsibilities that they have because we're finding more and more teenagers when you're going out to a place of business Mm -hmm. and you're like, how did they even get hired? Yep, because there's a sense of (laughs) entitlement rather than a pride in their work. Of course, we know many of them aren't saved and so many of them don't operate with this principle in their life. But recognize this, if you want your purpose to explode, then that passion that you work with is the passion as to everything I'm doing, it's as though Jesus himself asked me to do it. How would I answer the phone if I was answering it for Jesus himself? How would I speak to them if it was Jesus calling himself? Would I get on, to, would I get on the line with Jesus with an attitude? Hello, what can I do? You know, it's like, no, you would answer with respect. You would answer and try to answer every question and be resourceful. And so you do it as if Colossians 3.23, as if you're doing it for Jesus himself. And I promise you, people that work in that kind of excellence, they are seen. The Bible says, uh, Proverbs 22.29, do you see someone who is diligent in their work? They will stand before kings 
and they will not serve mere men. You know what that means? Is they'll rise as high in the ranks as you can rise. Especially today when quality work is completely absent from the workplace. You, you can hardly find it. We can't tell you how many business owners that we speak to that will say, well, how are things going? I know you just had a new guy come in. You're training. And they're all exasperated. Oh, you can't get good help. He's already gone. He realized he didn't want to work. He didn't want to do the work that we do. He didn't want this to. This isn't hard work. You know, you understand. <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling you, it, how many times have we heard people say it? Well, they, we, they're not here anymore. Well, they didn't want to work. They didn't want to show up on time. They didn't want to, they didn't like getting orders or whatever. And they're just not, and, and business owners, and if you own a business, you know what I'm talking about. An entitlement culture has put people in a place where they don't want to be diligent. They don't want to be faithful. They don't want to be excellent. And as a result, it's leaving business owners in a tight place. So if we would raise up a whole generation of people that were excellent, that would do it as unto the Lord. You watch and see. You would be promoted so quick, it would make other people's heads spin. And I promise you, we had it happen back when I was a youth pastor. You know, remember we'd have young people that would get in jobs. I'd teach this stuff to my youth group all those years ago. All those years ago. Teach them to be faithful, diligent, tithe, give, be presentable, look like you're excellent. Don't look like a thug off the street that nobody wants to have your help. Look like an excellent, successful yeah. person. Man looks on the outward, not the inward. That. That's right. So don't don't be like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, not perfect and this and that. Look your best at all times. I mean, that that's one of my things is nonstop mom. You don't have to look like a hot mess. Society always zones moms to look a certain way. And if, you know what I mean? Sweatpants, like, hair up, yeah, no makeup. Yeah, a mess, stressed, bags under your eyes, you don't know what you're doing, you smell like spit up. It's stupid. You don't have to do it. Do everything. Do being a stay-at-home mom, just like it's just for the Lord. Work at a job, it's just for the Lord. And it makes life so much easier because you only have one person to please and it's Jesus. That's right. You don't have to worry about everyone else. Brandon said, I'm going of? to change right now. Yes. Get out of those sweatpants. <laughs> Can I just say you've never looked like a hot because mess. Ever. But Jesus loves this hot mess. Messy the new, bun hair don't care. That's the new nonstop mom shirt. I that. Is that the new Smash the mug and burn the shirt. <laughs> And if you're drinking out it's of it true. right now, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm Brooke saying. said Carolyn's a mom hottie. <laughs> it, but the I said that one time from the platform of a church. I was saying all of this <laughs> yeah. about Jesus loves his hot mess. And this lady pulls me in the back after service and opens her jean jacket shirt. <laughs> or her jean jacket. And her, she had it her on. Her shirt said Jesus loves his hot mess. <laughs> I said, well, there was a sign for you. Now go take it off. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she did take it off, and the police came See, for indecent exposure. I was exposure. just going to say, if it's pouring, leave the sweatpants on. It's pouring here, hey, too. Hey, so. leave them on. Leave them on. Um, it's true, though. How many people do you see in this generation that are just simply not excellent? And, and it'll, it'll set you apart. Anything that you do, think about this. Anything you do as if unto the Lord will set you apart from everybody else. The way you live your life, the way you talk to others, the way you steward your finances, the way you carry yourself, the way you dress. Because remember this, man looks on the outward. I did a test on this 
when I was a youth pastor and I had a bunch of young men in my youth group, I, and, they, and they maybe were just coming in, they, you know, dressing like thugs and all this. I said, let's do a, let's do a test. Let's go to a store, dress like you dress, and let's see what people think of you. And so I took them to a jewelry store, walked in the way that they looked, you know, skull caps on, whatever. And they walked in and everybody just looked nervous. <laughs> just looked nervous. The guard was like eyeing them at the jewelry store. Everybody looked nervous. I said, now I'll take you back on a different day and watch what happens. And I said, we'll put your, get your suit on. And we went out and got them suits, ties, shirts, taught them how to iron them, get them tailored, tie a tie, shine their shoes. I said, let's go now. And we walked in suits and ties and people that were the workers there at the jewelry store falling over themselves. Can I help you? Can I show you anything today? Anything you'd like to see? What, what changed? Same guys. So what changed? So hard to Man look looks on the outward, outward. And it looks disgusting. Dress like a class act. You can be different. I mean, nowadays that is different. Yeah. Dressing, dressing classy and dressing like you have sense. Well, did you know that they did an actual, they've Even done. Even if you're not a CEO of, of, of a company, look like one. You know what's crazy? And I know that this, this has to do with, um, you know, it is a scriptural principle, Proverbs 23, 7. But they've done psychological studies that people actually perform at a different level and think of themselves at, the diff- at a different level when they dress themselves up. Yeah. You know, they and that that's why they tell you people that are productivity experts tell you if you work from home, if you're an entrepreneur from home, get up in the morning and shower and put on a, an outfit like you were going to work, and even if you're working from home, dress yourself, prepare yourself like you're going there because they said it actually makes a, a psychological difference and you'll begin to perform at a higher rate and a higher level because and that's a scriptural principle, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, why is that? Because you're, it's, it's number one, I'm carrying myself. I'm preparing myself for success. And, and everything is done as under the Lord. Excellence. If you were going to do work for the Lord, if you're going to, would you show up to God in a ripped t-shirt and sweatpants? No. You're going to do the very best you could do for the Lord. And I'm telling you, listen, listen to what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 9, this is where we are now. 1 Corinthians 9 Verses 25, no, let's start with 24. Verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, the prize. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we do it to receive an imperishable, eternal. Verse 26, so I don't run aimlessly. I'm encouraging you today, don't run aimlessly. But I don't box as one beating the air. Look at verse 27, but I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul's saying, I'm not just running to run. I'm not just doing stuff to do it. I've got a goal in mind. I've got a prize in mind and everything I'm doing is done towards that goal. And I I cut everything out. Notice he said, I discipline my flesh. Cause notice this, your flesh doesn't want to get up and shower and put something on and shave and, you know, you know, get, get something, 
You know, your flesh wants to just chill and lay back and slouch and lay on the couch and forget the work for today, binge watch Netflix. Your flesh doesn't want to press in and please the Lord. But you know, I have a goal, a vision, a purpose I'm working towards, and that's going to be my prize. I know what it takes to go that direction, and I refuse to run aimlessly. And we've seen people running aimlessly. It's a sad thing to see. Without vision, people perish. Another way it's it's written in a different translation, think of it this way. I think it's even better. Without vision, people cast off restraint. Think about that. Yeah. Without vision, people cast off restraint. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to cast off restraint? Exactly what Paul's saying. Because what's restraining you? The thing that's and I don't mean I don't mean in a bad way, I mean in a good way. The thing that's restraining you is your vision. It restrains you from doing the things you shouldn't do. It keeps you on a path of obtaining a prize. I'm restrained. Th- think of it this way. Um, if, if you've ever seen a horse pulling a carriage or a horse pulling a buggy, that horse is restrained. He's yoked up to his purpose. Think about that. Yoked up to his purpose. That restraint that's on him, that yoke, that thing that's on him, it's there, it's restraining him, he's pulling his purpose. If that horse, you know, if, if there was nothing that was put on that horse, if he was not connected to the carriage, not connected to the buggy, he could run and run and run, but if you bought that horse to be a carriage drawing horse, then it's never gonna fulfill its purpose. You're never gonna get what you paid for it because you won't restrain it to its own duty. So if you don't restrain it to its duty, it can be there, it can run. It can roam around your property and never accomplish the purpose for which you bought it. That's why the restraint is there. I put the restraint on the horse so that it can pull its purpose. And the same thing is true for you and for me is this. If I don't restrain myself in my purpose, I can run. We could run all day long. We could run till we're worn out and still have never accomplished one purpose. Rats run in rat races all the time, but they're just following anybody that's in front of them in any hole. It doesn't mean that's where they're supposed to go, and it doesn't mean there's going to be anything good out of it. So we're not in a rat race. No. We have a clear line, a clear path of where we're supposed to go. That's exactly right. It's a sad thing to watch people go through life with no purpose. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know where they're supposed to be. They don't know, you know, how they're supposed to function. And it it feels like driftwood, Mm -hmm. driftwood, just washing up on the shore every now and then they show up, then they're gone. Then they wash up on shore. You see them for a while, then they're gone. (laughs) Proverbs 29, 18, the ESV, listen to this, where there is no prophetic vision, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Look at this in the original Hebrew. Or the people are discouraged. Look at that. But blessed is he who keeps the law. It took restraint to keep the law. But look at this. People are discouraged. Why are they discouraged? Because they're not seeing anything carried out. They're not seeing anything come to pass. No purpose is being fulfilled. Why? Because they've cast off restraint. They're discouraged. There's no prophetic vision. You've got to know. You've got to know what it is you do. And then with passion, attack it. You've got to be able to be a self-motivator. Let me say this before we move on. 
You've got to become a self-motivator. Just like the Bible says, the Old Testament, Jacob was almost to the point where he was about to die. He was an old man, but then they brought in his grandsons. They brought in his grandsons to bless them for their, for their life and for their generations. And the Bible says something interesting. It says Jacob was old in years and laid up in bed. And then when his grandsons came, the Bible says, and Israel sat up and strengthened himself. The Bible shows the flip in identity that he was the old man that was laying there ready to die. But when his purpose showed up, a different identity sat up and Israel sat up and strengthened himself. You've got to be able to strengthen yourself in your new identity. The Bible says about David, David encouraged himself in the Lord. You've got to be a self-motivator like Israel, like David. You've got, you don't need somebody cheerleading you every five minutes. Can you continue in faithfulness for a year if no one said, great job? Right. You know as well as I do, there's so many people in church, they'd never do a thing unless somebody recognized them in the bulletin or from the pulpit. Absolutely. That's not your motivator. The, <laughs> the prize and the goal that he gave you is your motivator. Yeah, absolutely it is. There's a big problem when you have to depend on the praise of people to accomplish your purpose. Absolutely, because men will fail you and <laughs> the same people aren't there for your whole life. They fall away. And they're fickle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Friends are like waves. Yes, you'll have good ones, you know, from the beginning through to the end. But if that's what you, what was the saying who said it uh, to tear you down that the praise Yeah, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke. Yeah, Reinhard Bonnke gave, gave a good one. He said, one. if their praise can't build you up, their criticism can't tear you down. And that's good if you've got to mull on that for a little bit. Because you don't need, like he said, you don't need a cheerleading fan group. You just have to please one person and make sure you're doing what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. Am I encouraged today because somebody said something to me? Or am I encouraged today because I know what my purpose is? Am I encouraged That's what you today? Have to think about yeah, like did you you just get on a high because somebody recognized you, and then you get all oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it even more. If you if you if you live on the high all the time, you're right. going to be doing things. You know what I mean? Like, you won't be there's consistent. There's people that always live on a high. They have like, to they have the fuel. They always have to be doing something. I have to be buying a new house every so often. I have to be buying this every so often to make me happy. Then I, I got to be having more children because then I get more people to praise me. You know what I mean? It's like they always have to live off of off an occasion, off of a high, mm -hmm. rather than just staying in their lane and right. doing what God's called them to do. Because that's all going to fade and go away. And yeah. then what are you going to do? You're left with everything that you <laughs> right. had to be praised for. And it's like, wait a second, you know, this is the, the high is gone. Yeah. <laughs> the dust has settled. And now what mess am I in? Yeah. And you know, you think about the fact that like, it's impossible to be consistent if you always need the encouragement of people to stay consistent. If that is the thing that pumps you full of energy to do your work, then you will never be consistent. It, you'll, it's impossible to be faithful if you're depending on humans to be your encourager. That's why I love what it is. Even in the Old Testament, David didn't even have the Holy Ghost dwelling in him uh, unconditionally. It was it, it would come upon David. It wasn't the New Testament. But the Bible still says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Israel sat up and strengthened himself. If I can't, by the Holy Spirit that lives within me, can I give you a secret? I will give you the, this, this should be every Christian entrepreneur's secret 
for the rest of your life. I promise you. You want to encourage yourself in the Lord daily? You want to see yourself stirred up and ready for action? You want to see yourself ready to passionately take on what God's called you to do? Pray in the Holy Ghost. I promise you, pray in tongues. That is one of the secrets of successful Christians that want to stay self-motivated. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Why do I say it? Two reasons. Number one, Paul taught the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, anyone who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself or builds up himself in the Lord. So one of the, the side effects, if you will, of praying in tongues is that you are edifying or stirring yourself up, encouraging yourself in the Lord. So one of the things that happens as you're praying in tongues, you're just getting more and more pumped in the spirit. And then the Bible says in Jude, verse 20, it says, but you beloved, building up your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost. So praying in the Holy Ghost, it builds up your faith, the faith that you have, and it encourages your spirit. So what two things could be better for accomplishing your purpose? Stirring your spirit up and stirring up your faith. And then if you'll do that daily, you know, there were men of God that I've listened to that would not do anything until they'd prayed in the Holy Ghost for an hour. Yeah, but it's important to understand these principles because if you're the only person standing, yeah, I would, when you were talking, I just started thinking of Jesus when he was out, you know, in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He was all by himself. He didn't have a cheerleader group. He didn't have anything mm-hmm. to tell him, you know what I mean? You got to get to that point because you can't, you're sick in your body. You can't run, wait to the next prayer line, next right. meeting, whatever. You got to be able to do it by yourself. Lay hands on yourself and be healed. Same with encouragement. You don't need a cheerleading team. You don't need to do this. You got to be by yourself. Yes. So you got to be strong enough to stand alone. Every, everyone else is great around you, but can you do it alone with, I mean, you know, you're with Jesus, the Holy Spirit's with you, but can you do it? Do you have the power within you to do it by yourself? I love it. And that's the key. You know, if people would stay on that, I remember, um, you know, Dr. Lester Summerall was the same. Smith Wigglesworth was the same. Kenneth Hagin was the same. You know, all, all these great men of God I've ever been around or seen uh, have been the same. Dr. Pastor Adeboye said it recently. I told you on the broadcast, my father's always been the same. A.A. Allen was the same. Brother Shambach was the same. All of these men of God found the secret that if I'll stay praying in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, and you'll stir yourself up in faith, you'll you'll edify your own spirit, and you'll put yourself in a place where I can literally be a self-motivator in the Holy Ghost and not depend on somebody's praise and applause and what they say in the bulletin and from the pulpit or whatever it might be. I will strengthen myself in the Lord and accomplish my purpose. Whether people are for me or against me, it doesn't matter. Because right. if God is for me, tell me who can be against me. Let's give you one more thing, then we'll pray. This is so important. So your purpose without planning is pointless. Your purpose without passion is pointless. And then thirdly, your your purpose without people is pointless. Let me give you quickly three types of people you need in your life. Three types. Everybody, everybody needs these three types of people in their life to be functional to make sure that you're not frustrated, that you're continuing to move forward. You've got to have it. So number three is people. I've got to have these three types of people in my life. Um, The first that you've got to have is you've got to have 
a mentor or mentors in your life, people above you, people above you. Carolyn's. Uh, I I found something else. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not. No, no, no. Go for it. You. Go ahead. <laughs> but when you were talking about teaching, I went to to Luke six thirty nine. Then Jesus gave the following instruction: Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher. That's right. But the student who is fully trained yeah. will become the teacher. That's it. And, and if you think you don't need anybody, now going back from what I said before, it's not that you need the praise of people. You need people who will train you, not right. praise you, train you. Right. And so a mentor, a spiritual father, somebody that will correct you if you're wrong, somebody that'll uh, give you the direction to go because they've already been there and navigated those waters and they know what you should be doing. And see, humility will allow a mentor, a spiritual father to speak into your life. It will allow. And so the first type of people you've got, person you've got to have is someone above you, somebody that's been and gone beyond where you want to go, somebody who can impart to you, somebody that can train you, somebody that can correct you, somebody that can give you advice that means something to your purpose and to your life. Um, Paul was that person to many people. But listen to uh, listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 1. Uh, I am so glad that you always keep in me your thoughts and that you're... F- Wait, what am I in? 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Mine starts with 2. Oh, then it's up here, 1. Oh, and you should, uh, should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. See that? Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul was teaching them a lesson. Christ is gone. He's in heaven. You can't see him. But I'm here in front of you. Watch my life. Watch how I pray. Watch how I live. Watch how I study. Watch how I give. Watch how I treat people. And then imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me be your teacher. I love that Paul became so many people's spiritual father. And they learned from him and they received impartation from him. In fact, entire assemblies. The Bible says in Romans, uh, what is it? Romans chapter one and verse 11. Paul said, I long to be with you. Talking about the whole church in Rome. I long to come be with you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established. And so Paul was saying, I'll come to where you are, the entire assembly, not a few of the people in the church, all of you, and I'll come there and I'll raise you up and establish by imparting spiritual gifts to you. So Paul was saying, let me be your mentor. Let me be your example. Let me be the one that helps you go higher or further faster. Just a quick little drop there. Uh, help you go further faster. What is that? It's impartation. So the first type of person you should have in your life to can see your purpose fulfilled is a mentor, spiritual fathers that can pour into you, that can pour into you and help you to understand which way you should go. Paul had to write to Timothy, you know, multiple times, multiple instructions. Apparently, Timothy had an issue where he felt a little bit intimidated uh, being a young man around people that were older in the church because he thought to himself, well, I'm young. You know, how can I correct and exhort and speak and teach to people in the church that are older than me? And Paul wrote to him as a mentor and said, don't let anybody despise your youth, 
but teach all the brethren. So Paul was saying, don't, don't worry about your age. Worry about the impartation I gave you. I'm the one that laid hands on you and gave you spiritual gifts. And so he reminds him of that and says, now go teach the entire assembly and don't let anybody despise your youth. Well, without that mentor relationship, Timothy would have stayed in that place of intimidation. It would have affected the way that he ministered to God's people. It would have affected the way he spoke and taught and preached, and it it would have been a mess. But because he had a mentor, a spiritual father that raised him up by impartation, he was able to do what he was called to do. So you've got to have one. Yeah, I, I, real quick, we'll go to we'll go on, but I think so many times nowadays, this isn't taught to be imitators, to get a teacher, to get you to higher levels, to go. Because although we're not going to be perfect like Jesus, we're not going to go past the master. That's what the Bible teaches. You'll never be greater okay. than Christ. But we are to get close to it. So the whole teaching is just, you know, you're not perfect. You're, you know, you're this low, you know, you, and you hear that enough, you begin to operate that way. You begin to kind of kick the dust, you know, stay at a certain levels, never move forward, never truly be imitators of God. Right. You know, an imitator of God is doing like he, like he mentioned, he went through all the things, what Jesus has done. Are you operating in divine healing? Are you operating in being a giver? Do as I do. Right. The the thing, the way Christians act nowadays, they're not doing or acting anything like their savior. Right. Anything like it. So you can't let that cliche, you can't let that teaching of, you know, so many places are like, come as you are. But But don't stay as you are. But nobody leaves any different. Yeah. It's like, it's okay to come as you are, but don't stay as you are. You've got, you know, you're not going to be perfect. Just, you know, do what you can. Yeah. A little bit here, a little bit there. No, strive for excellence in all areas. Raise your level of faith, faith to faith, grace to grace, grace, strength to strength. Yes. We're always supposed to be climbing the ladder that God has for us. No question. So don't stay where you are. Right. Don't, don't think that you have to be at this, I'm not perfect level. Be imitators. Be as close to perfect as you can. Yeah. You can go For through Je- life. Jesus commanded it. You cannot. You can go through life not sinning daily. Right. Okay? I know that's a shocker to a lot of people Jesus nowadays. said, be ye perfect even as your father is you perfect. You can go through life in divine healing. Yes. You can go through life in prosperity that's here right. on earth and prosper. You can walk in joy and peace and love. You can have all these things daily. That's right. But you have to take actions to be an imitator. An imitator. imitate your teacher. That's right. And we know lots of people, you know, like you said, they get that impartation. They kind of sound like them when they preach. They kind of, they're imitating who has taught them. That's right. So be careful who your teacher is. That's true. And when you, but you, when you got a good one, it's okay to be an imitator of him because that's what the Bible tells us we are supposed to do. No question. So number one is a mentor. Number two are people who sharpen you. We dealt with this. Uh, last week a little bit with relationships, but you don't just need somebody above you. You need people that are on your level, that iron sharpens iron. They're not your mentor. They're not your spiritual father. 
that might be considered your contemporary, your uh, your comrade, whatever. But they are someone that's in a friendship relationship with you that you can fellowship with, that you have like faith, that you can stir each other up, that you can sharpen each other by the word of God. I don't want to come to a place where I feel, and it's not that we depend on their praise or it's not that we depend on them for our satisfaction, but God gave us people. God gave us friends that would strengthen our faith. God gave us people that would keep uh, the unity of the brethren, the Bible says. You can't have unity with just one person. There's going to be multiple people to have unity. Um, there's no such thing as somebody that's not unified with themselves. You have to have multiple people to talk about unity. Iron sharpens iron. I need brothers and sisters in the faith that are on my level, that will encourage me, I'll encourage them, we'll sharpen each other, we'll keep each other built up in faith and encouragement, and that's what we're there to do with one another, is that I can speak to them and lift them up, they can speak to me and lift me up, they can encourage, they can pray for each other. And see, that mentor relationship is not a friendship relationship. Right. It's it's not their best buddies. People get offended by that and they can never operate with a spiritual father or mentor because they think it's supposed to be their best friend. It's not your best friend. It's somebody who has the ability to correct you and speak into your life and they're at a higher level than you are. Your friends are those that are on your level that you are uh, fellowshipping with, that you're spending time with and sharpening one another. Yeah, and and then that level too, you're not supposed to go into um, being offended and walk in that way. Right. You can't sharpen each other by <laughs> being offended at everything no. that he says or she says. That's what a friend is there for. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, it, people always like to use that when they're friends. Like, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Yeah. And it's like, but if you are a fellow believer, right. it does say in the word of God to call out that other believer and yes. say, listen, what you're doing is not right. This is not going to bring you down the right path. So the whole, like, only God can judge me now does not apply to that. No. They are saved. And so... <laughs> Neither does that thought where I, I hate hearing people say, well, if you want me, if you want to change me, that means you don't love the real me. No. The Bible actually... Love it or leave it. I know. The Bible actually <laughs> it commands you to change. You, usually people say that are like, you know, well, I, I'm just real. I just say what I think. And if you want me to change, then you don't love the real me. Well, how about just do what the Bible says and walk in wisdom, walk in love. Love is slow to speak. <laughs> slow to speak. Because what ends up happening is people that are quick to speak their mind say things that are outside of love because of how they feel in the flesh. So it's not that I want to change you. It's that Jesus wants to change you so that you are more like him. Of course we want to change. I want to change. You should want to change to look more like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. And so if they want to change me, they don't love the real me. No, the real you is the spirit man, not the flesh, not the soul, not the unrenewed mind. The real you is the spirit man that's been renewed. And, and, and you got to obey the word. And it goes to show you they do love the real you. They want your spirit man to be better. Absolutely. And they want it to grow. So in all reality, they do love you <laughs> no question third before we pray for you the third type of person that uh you need to have in your life not just a mentor that's speaking to you and encouraging you not just friends that are sharpening you and fellowshipping with you but then people that are and i don't mean this in a prideful way but they're coming up they're below you that you have the ability to speak into that you can help them that you can raise them up and that you know in the same way that 
you play that role to the one that's above you, you have people that you're training, that you're helping, that you're raising up, that you are helping them see things in their purpose. See, because there's a fulfillment that comes in that. There's a fulfillment that comes in that. So when what, you, what the anointing you have on your life and what you've gained in your knowledge, you're not supposed to just hoard it and make, you know, I'm all knowledgeable. I right. know everything. It, you're now called to give that to somebody else so they can raise up. Because one thing I always say is you can't keep being a prayer project. You've got to learn something at some point and walk in your authority. So you do that by mm-hmm. getting from a teacher, learning from a mentor. Further, faster, you have your impartation. You get that from, you know... Friends sharpening friends. You you you're, you're constantly supposed to be going higher. You're right. not supposed to stay at the same level of your Christianity once you become born again. Ever right. Being a Christian and doing what God's called you to do is about momentum, moving. We're moving forward. We're going forward. Things are supposed to be happening. Action mm-hmm. and action. You have to be moving in order to have an action. That's exactly. Faith it. is an action. Faith makes you move. You have to. You have to keep moving. As soon as you get stagnant, it's like nasty pond water that's stagnant. It smells. You, there's nothing good in it. It's gross. And that's exactly what will happen in your life. Your life will begin to stink. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> just a picture I just thought of. It's, it's true. true. Your life will begin to stink. Don't get stagnant. Don't get comfortable at where you're at. That's right. Get someone that's going to move you higher. Listen to what happens when you help others come higher in their purpose. Philemon, there's only one chapter, but I'm going to look at uh, verses 10 and 11. Paul sang this about a man named Onesimus who you'll see what the word says. He's talking to Philemon about Onesimus. Listen to this, verses 10 and 11. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Look at verse 11. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. So Paul understood that because he was able to help Onesimus speak into his life, train him up, he took that man from being useless to useful. And the same thing happens to you. There are people that God will put in your life so that you can help them so that they can come higher, so that they can be increased in their purpose and in their calling. And you, with what God's already given you, can speak to them, can raise them up, can encourage them and bring them higher. Maybe they came in, they're a baby Christian. They were useless in the things of God, but you can help them. You can speak into them. You can show them how you got to the place you're at, and it causes them to go from useless to useful by impartation. So you need all three. You need those that are above you. You need those that are with you. And you need those that are below you that are still coming up that you can be a help and see your purpose fulfilled even in helping them. And see, that's what we're praying today. And as I get ready to pray for you, what we're praying, see, because as this miracle month comes to an end, and I'm telling you, it's only going to get greater. One of the things I'm getting ready to speak to you through the rest of this, um, uh, year is that things are just going to increase and increase and increase. The the last half, hear me when I say June and the last half of this year are going to be glorious. They're going to far surpass the end of any year you've ever had. Yeah. But if you don't know where you're headed, if you don't know your purpose, if you don't have a goal, then you're not going to be able to move forward. If you want to see the miracles take place, which way are you going with the miracles? And so when we pray for you, one of the things I'm going to pray at the end of this broadcast is that the power of God would come upon you and reveal to you 
your not only your purpose, but give you a passion for it, that he would also put the proper people in your life to accomplish it. That's what we just got done talking about. And also that he would give you a vision and a plan. See, because that's why uh, the Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord. Well, I want to do his will, but I need his vision. I need his plan. Yeah. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I need what he has. And so I want to pray for you because God has a powerful purpose. For those of you watching, your life is not anywhere close to meaningless. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're insignificant, that you don't mean anything. You are vital to the kingdom. Yeah. You are important in the kingdom. And that's what this prayer is about today. We're equipping you to hit the last half of this year running and expecting miracles to explode in your calling and in your purpose. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for your people today. Every person that's watching, listening, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that if they don't know what it is they're called to do, if they don't know their purpose, I pray that you would open up their eyes and reveal to them exactly what they're called to do. And then as you do, Lord, I pray that as you reveal their purpose, that you would give them a vision and a plan yeah. to carry out that purpose. We thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I pray as this month comes to an end, give us access to your ways and yes. your thoughts, according to Isaiah 55, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We have the mind of Christ and we will hear clearly and see what you're doing in our lives. Number two, fill us with a supernatural passion yeah. and an urgency to accomplish what we're called to do Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't let us be complacent. Don't let us fall by the wayside. Don't let us become lazy or weary in well-doing, yes. but strengthen us by your power to do the work that you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus. And then Father, let the proper people yes. fill our lives. Give us people that speak into us, that correct us, that impart to us, that raise us higher. Fill, us, fill our lives with friends that strengthen our, our, our faith and that give us an excitement to serve the Lord. And then, Lord, send us to those that need help. Send us to those that need to be refined and to be matured in the faith. And use us, Lord, to raise them to the next level. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your purpose. We thank you for the power. Hallelujah. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for using us. We are your servants, Lord, and we love you. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive that today, throw fire in the comment section and let us know that you are believing it. You're ready to run at the end of this year. I'm ready to run like I've never run. We've got some amazing things coming up. So we want to encourage you to stand with us. Carol and I have been praying, not just for you and your family, but kingdom prayers that God would use us to accomplish great things for this kingdom before Jesus comes. Great things are on the horizon. And we've asked the Lord to connect us with people that would stand with us in partnership. And the Lord's been speaking to you. I know he has because we've been praying <laughs> and I know he's answering our prayers. Many have already stood with us. In fact, let me show you our, the names of the people. I like to put them up because we love and pray for you by name and appreciate what you're doing, standing with us in partnership. And the Lord's speaking to many of you today to stand with us. What we're asking people to do and praying that the Lord would do is attach people to this ministry 
that would stand at a minimum of $85 a month. That's $1,000 a year or more. There are many that are doing more, 100, 200, 500, 750 a month. But do what the Lord tells you to do. And if you would stand with us, we're asking people to partner and believe God that this last generation before Christ comes would be so impacted by the power of the Holy Ghost that they would not be able to resist or reject the mighty gospel of Christ, that many souls would come into the kingdom, many would be healed, many would be delivered. We're already seeing it happen. And you are a mighty part of that when you stand with this ministry. And maybe you say, well, you know, I can't necessarily stand with you yet at the $85 a month, but I want to do, others have done this. People just joined us. I saw Karen just joined us at $10 a week. We love you, Karen. That's what Letty did. That was her testimony, and God rapidly increased her. Yeah, she doesn't give that anymore when no. she started. I mean, she's in, been in, God added to her business. So many things happen. So start where you're at. Do what the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do. And if you'd like to sow something weekly or monthly at the level God's speaking to you now, click on that Give page at MiracleWord.com, and you can set up a weekly or a monthly uh, seed that you'd like to sow. And we appreciate it, and we love you very much. Um, there's many ways you can do it. As you see on the screen, you can put hashtag donate in the comments on Facebook or, uh, Twitter, Periscope. You can use cash app. You can use Venmo, uh, PayPal is available, available as well. The easiest way, no matter where you are around the world is to go to miracleword.com and sow your seed right there. And, uh, it's very easy to do. And, um, you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your tablet. You can do it on your laptop. And uh, we say thank you to everybody. This is what we're doing as this month's coming to an end. Stephen, thank you. Steve Martin, the great Steve Martin is on the broadcast today. He's one of my favorite actors. I appreciate it. And he's sewing. (laughs) And he's sewing. They just watched him. That's Steve Martin. And he just, (laughs) you just, you just watched one of his movies, Cheaper by the Dozen with the kids. Um, And we love Janet. And, And he's sewing. This month, for everybody that's standing with us, $85 or more, my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan has written a powerful book called Heir of Power, and this book teaches you about your identity in Christ, the inheritance that you have in Christ. This is our gift to those of you that are standing with us this month at $85 or more, and we say a big thank you. Those that the Lord is speaking to you to so largely, $1,000 or more, $2,500, $5,000, $10,000, whatever it is the Lord speaks to you to do, we're going to not only send you that book, but the Life Application Study Bible in Genuine Leather, and I believe it's this week, the hardcover books are on the way for Further Faster. Hardcover with a dust jacket. We're going to sign it to you and send it to your family as our way of saying thank you for standing with us. We really do love you, and we really do pray for you. Absolutely. And it's and it's amazing what God's doing. In just one it's year. starting to grow together. It is. And that's, I love to see it, people think, well, it's just like about your ministry. Gerald stayed on the entire time and he, what is it? We started in 2010, so 2011. Yeah. And so, you know, Gerald and Peggy have been able to, to be a part of this. And, they, they saw and us at the grow. very beginning. Yeah. And what we're doing now. And then <laughs> it's going to be even different by the end of 2020. Oh, what it looks much like. different. Much. I'm so excited. I can barely, I, 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 I want to tell you things I can't tell you yet. And, God's good. God is good. And Are you the increase, sure you're famous for it? I know. Might as well just write it all out now. No, I can't do it. I'm just kidding. You'll freak wait. everyone out. Um, but I'm <laughs> Not excited. Not I mean the people. <laughs> helping us. The people behind the scenes helping us. So. <laughs> 
He no. does that often, and then my phone goes off from multiple people. <laughs> what did he just say? What do we have to do? What's going on? Da, 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 da. What is he talking about? <laughs> Why is he saying that? Why is he saying that? Uh, but it's exciting. It's a Shuttlesworth thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so excited. We love you guys, and thank you for, for standing with us. Once again, if you just logged on, brand new kids shirts Look are available this. today. It says, the future is bright. The Bible verse on the belly says, radiant with joy, no shadow of shame. Hallelujah. And that's one of them. This, another uh, great set World of pictures. World changer on the front, Miracle Word Kids on the back, and then the back of the pink, it says our theme, strong, smart, set apart, get the new shirts. They're all or- available right now at shop.miracleword.com. And uh, the soft canvas kids shirts. I love these shirts. And uh, all kinds of sizes available. You got to get them while the... Um, getting's good. While the getting's good. <laughs> while, they're, while they all are lasting. Because, I mean, they'll they'll sell out for sure. But first come, first serve. Grab them. This is the summer edition Miracle Word Kids shirts. I love them. That gray one is awesome. Vans ain't got nothing on us. My mom actually. Pack Sun ain't got nothing on my us. My mom took one home to wear. Your mom was wearing one yesterday. She is now a Miracle Word kid. <laughs> Your mom is a Miracle Word kid. Look at those. That's actually Maddie's handwriting on the shirts. Took her handwriting into the design. They're great. So shop.miracleword.com. Along with those, you got nonstop mugs, nonstop mom mugs available. You got slap bracelets available. You got journals available. Brand new journals for the kids, neon green for the summer. All kinds of stuff. The new book, Further Faster, is available. The ebook is available. The pop up, the coloring book. No, none of those are. But hey, I just dropped a new podcast this weekend called Know Your Rights. I know my rights. Check it out. Absolutely. It will encourage you and you'll be pumped up for the week. Gerald, we love you. Love Peggy. Love the whole family. Appreciate you very much. And uh, we're ready. Listen, I want to invite you guys. If you want to take a little road trip, you're sick of being quarantined and you're ready to be back in Holy Ghost Church services. I'm going to be in Horseheads, New York. Horseheads, New York. What are the dates? Uh, June 6th and June, June 7th. 6th and Saturday June 7th. in the morning of three services on Sunday. So they're on the website. Listen, you can make it. it's time for a road trip. It's time for a road trip. Don't care what you say. Get in the car and come meet me. Let's hang out. Let's get in th- this uh, revival mode together again. And uh, I want to see you there. We already got people driving in. People are already coming from out of town. And uh, we want to see you there. The address is on the website. The dates, the times, it's going to be great. And so if you can jump in a car, if you're anywhere close, even if you're not, jump on a plane and uh, and get there. It's going to be awesome. And uh, as more uh, of the dates are added and rescheduled, we'll, they'll all be live on the site. And uh, we want to see you guys. And it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to get out on the road again and start preaching. It's going to be like uh, Chris okay. Farley running into the, uh, the... I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to freak out. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm ready to I'm roll. freak out. <laughs> you are going to be the guy in the little coat. Though. I know. I am going to... Well, are you knocking me because I gained weight on the quarantine? <laughs> wow. No. No, she is. The other day. I'm making smash Listen, burgers today on the grill. You can make fun of yourself. You sit there and on your 
broadcast last week and you're like, look at my coat button. Look at this. Yes, you did. Now I'm offended. your blue suit. Now I'm offended. Oh, you did it the week before. You're not offended. I'll get out. (laughs) I'm not back this week. You'll know why. (laughs) I love you guys. Um, Enjoy your Memorial Day. Grill out if you can. Enjoy your family. Thank God for your nation. Thank God for the those that have given their lives, the military, those that are serving their nation. Thank God for them. Pray for their families. And uh, we'll see you again. Will I be on tonight? Will I be on in the morning? We don't know. Someone asked that? We'll let you know. I'm saying it. Nobody asked it. I'm saying it. Will I be on tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? We'll see. We will see. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.